Hi, this is Life Coach David. I'm a certified and very experienced Law of Attraction Life Coach. Thanks for listening to the Law of Attraction podcast, where I try to share information that's going to help you understand and use the Law of Attraction in your life so you can attract what you want, be happier, and just have an awesome existence. And if you want to find out more about me, or if you're interested in some wonderful Law of Attraction life coaching, you can contact me through lifecoachdavid.com. And as all my clients could tell you, Law of Attraction coaching is amazing. They just have so many aha moments, and they just learn how to become deliberate creators and be the best versions of themselves, and it's pretty amazing. Speaking of the Law of Attraction, it's always important, obviously, to keep ourselves feeling as good as possible, or from a law of attraction point of view, you could say feeling as high vibration as possible. And one way to do that is to have fun, to have a good time. And I just found some jokes that might make you laugh and raise your vibration a little. They're a little corny, but that's okay. I I like corny jokes. So the first one is, my boss told me to have a good day, so I went home. Ha ha ha. But it's kind of fun. And another funny one is, I couldn't figure out why the baseball kept getting larger. Then it hit me. Ha ha ha. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'll do one more and then I will continue reading from the book and discussing the book we've been talking about. So here's the last one. I ate a clock yesterday. It was very time consuming. But um bum. (laughs) Anyway, I hope those made you laugh a little bit. I'll try to find better ones. For the next podcast. But now I'm going to go back to reading Excuse Me Your Life is Waiting by Lynn Grabhorn and I hope you've been enjoying and learning from the information that I've been sharing with you because if you put it to use in your own life it really does help. So this chapter we're now already on chapter three and the chapter is called No No Not That Step One. I was driving down the freeway one day listening to a favorite Neil Diamond tape Now, right there, Neil Diamond tape, obviously no one listens to tape anymore, but it just shows you how many years ago this book was written. Anyway, I was listening to my favorite Neil Diamond tape, not focused on much of anything, when I realized I had one of those funny little knots in my stomach, the kind that feels like there's a serious hole in your gut with a not-so-gentle breeze sailing through. Something was off base somewhere. And good old expanded self was sending me a clear signal to pay attention to my feelings. But since nothing came to mind, I decided to ignore it. Big mistake. I let my thoughts wander, paying little attention to the very obvious red flag I was feeling. Sure enough, my meandering thoughts wandered right into one of the loans I was in the process of closing. At the time I was running my own mortgage company, a business that finds the best interest rates for people who want to buy or refinance their homes, and then arranges for the funding and ultimate closing of the loan. We were almost ready to close this young couple's loan when some sticky problems showed up. I wasn't sure I could solve them. That in itself was bad enough, so near the finish line, but the worst of it was that these kids were really counting on this loan to end some of their grisly financial troubles. So here's my focus 100% on what I do not want to happen, the loan to fall through. I've got red flags of negative feelings flying all over the place. 
a little dread, a little guilt, a large helping of gloom, and I'm ignoring them. The results of that negative energy flow were immediate. I had about one more mile of music before the tape player started eating my Jonathan Livingston Siegel cassette. About two miles after that, I was squeezed right into a four-lane traffic jam from daytime road work. About 20 minutes and another mile after that, I get rear-ended, just rear-bumped, by some dude farther away in Madland than I was. About 10 minutes after that, I spilled the rest of my coffee all over a file of original loan papers. And when I finally got out of that mess and made it to a telephone, the lender told me the loan had fallen through. Considering how I had been flowing my energy, I was hardly surprised. I knew exactly what had happened, what a dork I'd been, and exactly what I had to do and fast. What had happened? What had caused that whole chain of pesky events? Was it just coincidence? A nasty string of unlucky circumstances? Not on a bet. It's how every single one of us has been creating our days since nursery school, focusing on all the stuff around us we didn't like, didn't want, and feeling helpless as we watch it get worse. We've been living a life we felt was largely at the mercy of forces outside of ourselves over which we had no control. I mean, how many of us would take credit for having a lousy boss, being robbed, getting laid off, or catching the flu? And how many of us would not blame the government or the economy or our families or the system for all that's wrong in our lives? Oh sure, we'll take credit for some of it, the things we've set out to do and did, but would we honestly be willing to take responsibility for every last thing that's ever happened to us? Not likely. And the next section, what's wrong is what's wrong. There's a world of closet stuffers walking around this planet who will swear to you on their new Toyotas that they hardly ever have a negative thought. They'll tell you their life is just fine and that they're quite happy. Yet these are the same people who will tell you that life is never fair, it's full of trials, and that we must all learn to take our share of knocks. But yes, they're quite happy, thank you. Never got all they might have liked, but we must take life as it's dealt. So yes, they're quite content, to which I say bull. We cannot flow negative energy of any kind, in any degree, in any amount, and be happy. And that means anything from mild irritation to normal, no-feeling, flatlining to perpetual dread. It is a physiological impossibility to be happy with that kind of energy flowing out because we're flowing two different vibrations that activate two different external and internal results. Closet stuffers are victims, plain and simple. Just as most of us have been at one time or another, viewing our world as the result of uncountable circumstances over which we believed we had no control. We've all been there or are there. It's only a matter of how much of the victim myth we've chosen to buy into and live. But we don't have to stay there. In fact, once you start to really see this magnetics business in action, it becomes pretty hard to ignore the glaring evidence. Our lives have been molded by the daily flow of our energy, not by luck, fate, circumstances, or a rich uncle. When you stop to think that we spent decades questioning what's wrong with everything, 
therefore focusing on all the things in our world we didn't like, didn't want, or wanted to change, it's little wonder we've been attracting such a bear full of trials. No human being can be so continually disconnected from their source energy and get to wherever it is they want to go. So here's the flesh. Continuing to live life as a victim of circumstance, forever focusing on what's wrong with everything and everybody, will never ever bring the life desired. It will only bring one thing, more of whatever it is we're wanting so desperately to change. And that's so true. And it just goes back to my favorite definition of the law of attraction, like energy attracts like energy. So whatever thoughts we're thinking, we're going to attract more of those thoughts. And if they're negative thoughts, low vibration thoughts, then we're just going to keep attracting low vibration experiences. It's just how it works. But fortunately, the same is true in reverse. If we deliberately focus on what we want and get excited about it, and don't concern ourselves with how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen, then we know it's on the way. It just has to be, and that's why it's called the law of attraction, not the sometimes law of attraction. So let's get back to the book. Recipe for creation. The recipe for creating anything is really quite simple. Take good or bad feelings, meaning positive or negative vibrations, bake with varying degrees of emotion to increase magnetism, and here comes what we've attracted, like it or not. What we have focused on and how we have vibrated about it is what we have gotten from birth. So if we've been in a constant search for ways to fix all the things around us we don't like, or even if we have allowed them to be there but still haven't liked them, then we've been in a constant state of focusing on what we haven't wanted for years. It takes only 16 seconds to link up vibrationally to whatever we're focusing on. That's right, only 16 seconds of pure focused thought, good or bad, negative or positive. In that brief time, we start to vibrate on the same frequency as whatever it is we've been emotionally thinking about, which means we're ripe for attracting that thing if we keep it up. Needless to say, we've all had an ocean full of things we've thought about over and over in repetitious 16-second segments, all those vibrations of frustration and tension and concern over the countless things we didn't want, didn't like, couldn't handle, didn't know what to do with, or thought we had to put up with. Which is why, for most of our lives, we've continued to attract more of the same. How charming. Up to now, that's the fundamental way we've sculpted our lives by the ceaseless attention to all the things we could do without, producing an unceasing undertow of negative tension. Remember, I'm not talking daily rage here, just that perpetual silent murmur of, gotta fix it, gotta do it better, gotta make it right, gotta find a way. That's called either quiet concern or not in gut. And on the other side of the same coin, it's called, gotta accept it, gotta live with it. Nothing I can do about it, like it or not. Same thing, same vibrations. This is why it's so important for us to have a broad understanding of just what negative emotion is, how covertly it works, how to spot it, why we keep having it, and oddly enough, how truly vital it is to the process of taking control. So please don't look at this chapter on negative as negative. 
It's the secret component of getting us where we want to go. And I have a sneaking suspicion as we continue to read, she's going to go into how we use the negative. We use what we don't want to refocus on what we do want. And that's how the negative can serve us. But let's go on and find out. The next section is called Toys Are Yours. Imagine being a youngster turned loose in the biggest, brightest toy store you've ever seen in this whole wide world and being told you can help yourself to whatever you wanted. Wow, it's almost too far out to imagine. Yet that's what our universe is. One gigantic toy store where everything we've ever wanted to play with is either already there for the picking or waiting to be created. All we have to do is feel what we want and magnetize it in. Let's say, for example, that here in your magic toy store, there's an exciting new job waiting for you. Or maybe it's your next house, the one with every conceivable luxury and more silly gadgets than you've ever seen. Around the corner, there's a fantastic new relationship or a polished up old one. And hot dog, there's your updated body with all the appropriate corrections. This is terrific. But where are all these goodies going to come from? Are they just going to fall from the sky or come from our guardian angels in the outfield? No, they're going to come from you. To pull them in, all you have to do is want them with a gut-blasting, feel-good vibration. And the next section is called Moldy Old Beliefs. <laughs> she really has these funny, funny section names, but I guess it makes it interesting. All right, so Moldy Old Beliefs. It's hard for us to swallow the concept that what has been in life has absolutely nothing to do with what can be. That's diametrically opposed to how we think things work. Yet, what has been, or whatever is in our face right this minute, is simply the result of how we float our energies in days gone by. It is not the way things are. What has been is not a result of anything or anybody out there, nor is it a result of good or bad luck, a result of being a good person, a righteous person, or a sanctimonious ass. What has been has nothing to do with family or government or schooling. What has been in our life comes squarely from where our focus has been, and a major part of our focus has come from antiquated beliefs, those smelly old philosophies that were pounded into our heads, or that we blindly accepted as reality from way back to toddler days. We are jammed full of them, then and we still are. Archaic patterns of thought about what we think reality is. Thought patterns that frankly belong in the garbage can. And yes, I agree with that. We have so many thoughts that we picked up along the way that just are not helping us. I know from my coaching practice, a lot of people feel that they can only attract so much good and then the bad thing has to happen. And that, of course, is so not true. Unless you believe it is, then you'll attract the bad thing. But a lot of us pick that up somewhere along the way, like we're only entitled to a certain amount of good then the bad thing has to happen, and then the good thing can happen again. But of course, that's not true, so keep that in mind. We can have an endless amount of wins. We can have an endless amount of good things happen to us, and then more good things can happen, and it's okay. So anyway, let me get back to the book, and she has another funny title for this next section, Fussing Father Fred. <laughs> Where does she come up with these Fussing Father Fred. Anyway, here we go. One summer many years ago, 
I was dating an Episcopalian priest. For a long time, I thought this guy was the be-all and end-all of the male race. He was tall, well-built, handsome, about ten years my senior, bright, well-educated, and came from a lovely New England family. Just my kind of guy. Father Fred was a brilliant speaker, delivering educational as well as spiritual sermons, but his church was usually this side of empty. In an attempt to remedy the embarrassing situation, he would change his style, change his tone, change his organization of material, even change the altar dressings, but nothing seemed to work. People simply did not like going to hear him and not being around him. Those were carefree days for me. I was in my early 20s, hadn't really squared off on what I wanted to do with my life, and was finding my drinking to be more and more enjoyable. Since Father Fred apparently found the same degree of enjoyment in his imbibing, the two of us were having a blast. But, blast or no, something was beginning to rub me the wrong way. It was subtle, but never stopped. Over drinks, out for drives, immersed in parties, it seemed that no matter where we were or what we were doing, Fred was attacking something or someone in the church. It was as if he were obsessed. One night it would be a bishop, the next night it was something about his improper training or low budgets or the diocese's restrictions on high services. His attacks seemed endless and they were starting to drive me nuts. I was no psych student, but this was absurd. When I finally asked him about it, his very matter-of-fact response was, That's the way I am. I have an ability to see what's wrong with things. The church is outdated and needs renovating, but it's not up to me to do it. I just have the talent to see what needs changing. Pretty soon I could see that Fred approached everything in life as a grievance, not just the church. The world was a mess. Everything needed changing or fixing, but he was never the one to do it. In fact, he felt incapable of doing much of anything, which is why, I guessed, he was so obsessed with conducting his services as flawlessly as possible. There, at least, he felt he could excel, whether his church was empty or not. But for all his blunderbuss, Fred was truly afraid of authority. He would say, I can't because... That was his litany. He couldn't get a raise, a secretary, a better allowance for his parish not even a guest speaker when he wanted to go away. He could only focus on the fact that it would never happen. So, of course, it didn't. Poor Fred lived in a perpetual world of don't-wants, believing the more he focused on them and stewed about them, the better chance he had of making them go away. He saw himself as a helpless victim, required to submit to the greater powers that be, who were waiting to snip his ecumenical rise in the bud. Looking back on it now, I can see why people didn't want to be around him. Although his sermons rarely reflected his negativity, folks intuitively picked up on his energy and didn't want any part of it. Again, this is an extreme example, they're the only ones I remember, of how most of us have lived. And yet, these kinds of moldy old beliefs, such as the powerful ones Fred had concerning authority and fate, are our biggest roadblocks to purposeful creating because they come up and clobber us whenever we think we'd like to take another direction. You know the kinds I mean. You think you'd like to get a new job and up shoots the highly charged emotional thought, oh, I can't because dot dot dot. 
or a new car. Oh, I can't because dot, dot, dot. Or a new relationship. Oh, no, no, no. I really can't have that because dot, dot, dot. They are our ancestors' values and ethics about shoulds and if-onlys and rights and wrongs. They are outdated philosophies from our religions that tell us we can't have a better life until we check out of here, or that only through suffering can we hope to achieve the kingdom of God. There are convictions about accomplishment and success and working and earning. They are beliefs that have compelled us to look forever for what's wrong with everything, convinced we must find ways to fix it all before we can move ahead. The job, the environment, our mate, the government, the schools, our kids, and mostly ourselves. Gotta fix it, gotta fix it, gotta fix it. Don't want it this way, don't like it this way, gotta fix it. Perhaps our most damaging beliefs, though, are the cherished ones we hold about how it's always the other guy's fault. Our boneheaded leaders, our drunken families, our horny boss. We blame with the constancy of the rising sun, thinking there's nothing wrong with that because that's how the world operates. We're certain that blaming makes us feel better, so we do it some more and some more and some more. Never having a clue how destructive such negative vibrations have been and are being to our lives. But here's the good news. No matter what today's parade of psychologists and counselors say to the contrary, we do not have to dig up all that useless junk to make life work our way. With some simple tricks of the trade and the awareness that this is really no more difficult than paying attention to how we're feeling, we simply learn to override all that old moldy stuff that's kept us imprisoned for so long, living an arduous life that we always thought was perfectly normal. And that's so true, so true. We don't have to go back and dig everything up. We just have to move forward, but move forward in a new way, in a more positive way. And the next section is called Don't Wants. There's only one place negative energy, all negative energy comes from, our don't wants. Sometimes we call it guilt, other times we call it fear or blame or worry or doubt. But for now, so that we can stay out of all the hackneyed psychiatrist junk, we're calling it don't wants. Hard as it may be to believe, the majority of our daily thoughts and therefore feelings are about things we don't want. Big and little, here and there, now, back then, and in the future. This kind of thinking is endless, mostly automatic and unconscious, and horrendously restraining. Take a look at these examples. We don't want to drive to work in bad weather. We don't want to be late to work. We don't want to displease the boss. We don't want to have the drought continue. We don't want to buy bad meat at the store. We don't want to look bad. We don't want to have our kids hurt. We don't want to get the flu. We don't want to get fired. We don't want to stand in a long line. We don't want to get up in the morning. We don't want any more bills. We don't want to live in such a cold climate. We don't want the light to turn red. We don't want to get a divorce. We don't want to fail the test. And on and on and on. Now, granted, one or two of those things listed are nothing but choices we're making in the moment. So they're not going to elicit much emotion from us and therefore not do much damage. But as inconsequential as the rest of those items may seem, they definitely are not. Focus on any one for any length of time 
and you'll see it in your face before you know what hits you. Even worse, the collective power of all that personal conscious and unconscious don't wants we spew out energetically all day long becomes the vibrational mixture that makes up our individual world. Like it or not, that mix is normally negative. Take, for instance, all those stale cobwebs from our past, our if-onlys. For example, if only I had different parents. If only I had gone to college. If only I hadn't married that one. If only I had taken that other job. If only I hadn't switched lanes. If only, if only, if only. If-onlys are simply the past tense of don't-wants. I didn't really want those parents. I didn't want to have to search for work without a degree. I didn't want an unhappy marriage. I didn't want such a poor paying job. I didn't want to get in a car accident, but I switched lanes. And then there are all those tricky negative wants, which are nothing more than don't wants in disguise. For example, I want to get well. I want to get out of debt. I want to lose weight. I want to stop smoking. I want our lousy marriage to shape up. I want my spouse to get a better job. You may think you're being positive by not stating a don't want, but where's your focus? It's taking dead aim on precisely what you don't want anymore in your life. And since we get what we focus on, hello, here it comes to meet you. Now, I'd be the first to agree with you when you protest that you are not a negative person. Most of us are not. Thank God, like Father Fred. We enjoy life the best we can. We thrill at the sight of a sunset. We toss small fish back in the water. We're pleased when friends get promoted. We laugh at our kids' unfunny jokes. We enjoy going out on Friday nights. We take pride in our accomplishments. We give credit where credit is due. We do what we can to bring joy into our lives of others as well as ourselves. And yet, our endless life focus has been on don't wants. We don't want to have to work so hard. We don't want our car to break down. We don't want this and don't want that all day long, which just magnetizes in more of whatever it is we're not wanting. Let's say there's something about your job you don't like, or you drive a broken down car, or you've got a mate who's driving you bonkers. And let's say you think about this don't want again and again. Well, each time you go back to that subject and add another 16 seconds to it with some juiced up emotions, you're not only growing it and adding more power to it, you're making it a whole lot easier to think about. Whoa! Like cutting a trail in the jungle, you swack here and swack there, and pretty soon you have a nice clean path on which to trek back and forth, so you do, on the same subject. You're thinking about it, and thinking about it, and thinking about it, until pretty soon, it's so easy to think about, you can hardly get it out of your head. And before you know it, the very thing you haven't wanted to happen, happens. If you don't want, real bad, to have your new car nicked, you're a shoo-in to attract a matching vibration called jerk in the parking lot. <laughs> She's pretty funny. If you don't want, real bad, unpleasant neighbors to move in next door, you're ripe for attracting nerds with barking dogs and keeping them there. If you don't want real bad any more problems with bills, those problems are sure to get worse. 
If you don't want real bad to be alone for the holidays, all right, you get the picture. Whatever you include in your vibration for 16 seconds or longer is on its way to you, whether you like it or not. So when you're talking about all the things you don't want and flowing out only 16 seconds of feeling each time you talk about one of them, that thing has now become a part of you, part of your everyday vibration. Pretty soon you're living it, not liking it at all, vibrating it, talking about it, complaining about it, stewing over it, and making it an even stronger match to your daily vibration than it was in the first place. You are vibrating with the very thing you do not want. Now that thing can't leave you. It's part of you. No matter how much you keep grumbling over it or worrying about it, it cannot leave. It is now included within your everyday vibration. And the more you live it, focus on it, and brood over it, the stronger your vibration becomes to match and hold this thing you want so badly to get rid of. And that's so true. So many times we might think we're thinking more positively about something, but in our minds, if, if we're still using words like, oh, I don't want this to happen, or I don't want too much of that, then we're still not thinking about it in a way that's going to keep it away from us. We're just going to keep attracting it. And processes I teach my clients help big time with focusing in a way that allows you to attract finally what you want. And that's so nice when that happens. And not only that, you just feel happier and in general life becomes better. Every day just seems happier and you look forward to each day more and more because you're taking more control of it. So that's the end of today's reading. And if you'd like to experience a free Law of Attraction life coaching session, most of my coaching is held over the phone, so it doesn't matter where you live. Just contact me through lifecoachdavid.com and we can set up an appointment. Thanks again for listening. I hope you got a lot out of it. And in the next podcast, I'm going to answer some questions and continue reading from Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting so we can all get in on that wonderful information. Have a high vibration day.